Hi, I'm Charles Gauthier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBA is so proud to support this daily podcast series that is helping our community navigate through these trying times. As we all settle into what we hope is a temporary new normal, please consider helping support our local businesses. Whether it's by getting takeout from your favorite restaurant or giving a local shop a great review, it all adds up. Thanks everyone and stay safe. I'm Haley Wooden with a short COVID-19 update before we get to our regular Coping with COVID interview segment. Businesses seeking assistance from the federal government's wage subsidy program will now only have to show a 15% drop in revenue March to March, that's 2019 to 2020, to be eligible for that program. Previously, the federal government required businesses to show a 30% decline in revenue, a threshold that met some criticism from businesses left out of the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program. The federal government has also said that organizations participating in the Canada Summer Jobs Program will get an up to 100% subsidy to cover the cost of hiring students. The government also announced today that it will extend the time frame for job placement through to winter. And finally, clinical trials on a drug to block the COVID-19 virus will begin Thursday at 10 centers in Europe. A UBC researcher who is leading the work says that a drug that works could be available by this summer, but he's also warned that a vaccine could be 12 to 18 months away. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for watching. Now on to Kirk LaPointe for today's interview. Welcome to Coping with COVID-19. I'm Kirk LaPointe of Business in Vancouver. I'm the publisher and editor-in-chief. Every day we provide you from our newsroom, our news team, uh, and some insights into how uh, businesses and the wider community is coping right now. Uh, part of our anxiety, of course, in dealing with COVID-19 is to do with the supply chain. And people, of course, been hoarding toilet paper and disinfectant wipes and hand sanitizer and an array of foods. And arguably, though, the most crucial concern is the supply of personal preventative equipment, PPE, because, of course, not only do some of the members of the, of the public want it, but uh, the critical community of healthcare workers and frontline responders really needs it. Life Sciences BC is leading an initiative to ensure that uh, the equipment is in the right hands and the right amount of help uh, to contend us with, to contend with uh, COVID-19 and its challenges. And I want to discuss the initiative and uh, the work of the science community in BC right now with Wendy Hurlberg. She's the chair of Life Sciences BC. Good to have you with us from your home today. Thank you, Kirk. And nobody's much in an office. Um, I'm, I'm still in one uh, rather remotely from everybody else. Um, but in this case here, you know, you, you've got um, a lot of labs that are closed and, and you've got to wrangle a lot of equipment uh, in a hurry. Um, where do you start with this? Um, well, uh, there's a lot of people that are working on this very hard. We stepped in to try and basically coordinate the efforts on behalf of the industry. Um, that came out of the fact that we were bombarded with people asking us how they could help. And when I reached out to PHSA and some of the hospitals and health authorities, they said the best thing you could do to help is actually help coordinate the activities on behalf of the industry. Yeah. So we have 
um, five different work streams as we relate to the supply chain. One is related to PPE, as you said. Another is related to broader supplies, reagents, equipment, etc. Another is about labs, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about some of the labs being closed. Talent, because we have a lot of really great talent right now that is being underutilized, and we want to help enable the talent to be used in the, the appropriate talent to be coming back into the system to help with what with the response. And then the last one, there's a number of initiatives, as you are probably aware of, about repurposing manufacturing to try and ensure that where we have the gaps in the supply chain, um, to the extent that existing facilities can be repurposed to help close that gap. Yeah, let, let's start with, uh, I think, the most uh, human side of all of this. And we were talking about this just before we started, which is that this is a community that actually its purpose is is to research in order to improve our lives, our well-being and, and uh, our health, of course. Um, so this could not have been a terribly difficult thing to mobilize all of these people to to start pitching in, right? Uh, no. No, not at all. I mean, this is an amazing community of brilliant people that are passionate about what they do um, every single day and generally are motivated by, um, you know, making a difference in their in their respective in their respective ways. Um, there you'll see you'll hear many leaders in life sciences say this isn't the easiest business to be operating in it's complex um but no it was not difficult to mobilize people at all in fact mid last week it started with an email of eight people that saying hey what can we do to help and by friday night there was 175 people on an email that huh. unfortunately some were pressing reply all um uh, that that, that, were that really happens yeah, that we're saying, how can we help? And so where we started from was on the PPE front. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about this because, you know, there have been some reports that that have been a little worrisome about uh, about shortages or about supplies going to the wrong places or in, in, in the hands of really not the people that need them the most. Uh, it, it help me get a, a grip here on what you, you see as the gap or or where the where the the challenges are still for us here. Well, I can't comment on things going to the wrong places, um, but what I can comment on, on is what we as an industry did. So we were aware that labs were going to be closing. I think they clo uh, many labs closed at o'clock, uh, 5 o'clock on Tuesday. And so our community got together with the major research institutions and some of the bigger labs. And uh, we created, I mean, quite rudimentary, a Google Doc, and everybody submitted what inventory they had um, and we ran around and picked it up a group mm. of volunteers within our community and we're in the process of now giving that that PPE which has essentially been donated by the sector um, to um, the health authorities to basically distribute to the areas of greatest need yeah, yeah. Uh, d does it leave the community do you think relatively confident that they're is going to be enough, at least for you know, for the near term, before there's say a, a a new level of manufacturing going on. Well, there's currently initiatives right now that are trying to um, address the manu address supply gaps. I mean, none of us can predict what's going to happen. We can only look at what we know now. We can look at leading indicators. We can look at what's happened in other regions around the world. 
And so there are efforts to make sure that the people on the front line have the PPE that they need. And there's efforts also to import from other or from other jurisdictions that now actually have had capacity. So we're working um, with that. And then there are a number of initiatives about repurposing so that we can manufacture more. Yeah, let, let's uh, let's look at that. That's always been very, very intriguing to watch uh, a number of very big plants suddenly turn their attention to things like building respirators and and uh, and, and some of the larger scale equipment. Are, are we seeing a fair amount of that already in terms of uh, our own manufacturing and, and being repurposing uh, for for this time? I'm not aware of any, I'm aware of organizations that are evaluating it right now and are looking at where they can retool and where they can, um, you know, have similar enough processes that, that can be reapplied. Um, I'm not aware of any that has actually started yet in Canada. I do know that there is work, a lot of work going on in the med tech space about um, potentially redesigning ventilators that can be manufactured more quickly. Um, you know, one of the things we have to remember in all of this is we we do want to maintain the quality systems that we have in place in our health in our health you know sector. And so we have to do we have to follow the protocols to make sure that, you know, if people are redesigning ventilators, they are going to pass the quality standards. They need to be approved by Health Canada, et cetera. But there are people working round the clock on that. I do, I, I've heard, but I don't personally know of uh, global manufacturers that are re, you know, redesigning their efforts as well, um, because for many, this has been going on for months. Yeah, exactly. The, the, um, the other part of it, of course, that you mentioned is, is that a lot of labs just shut, and uh, I, I would imagine there are very few of them that, that are opening uh, at all at the moment. Um, it, talk about what kind of scale we're talking about here in this province when that many, that many labs suddenly shutter. You know, you're dealing with thousands of people, right? Yeah, there's a number of people that work obviously in this sector. Um, you know, our latest estimate is there's about eighteen thousand people across um, the province. That's not necessary. That doesn't include the whole healthcare system. That's more the life sciences sector. I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, the labs that were left open, from my understanding, were the COVID, were those that were late working on COVID-19 activities. There mm -hmm. is discussion about opening, reopening labs that are going to be related to this particular issue. So more testing, more diagnostic and all of that. So as those reopen, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have work streams around labs, both needs and and what labs are available, as well as the people, so that as they reopen, we can ensure that we can redeploy, as, uh, we can help to redeploy as quickly as possible. Yeah, one area, I mean, uh, maybe this, this is a little bit out of the ambit here for, for you, but uh, everybody, of course, is, is quite fascinated about when we're eventually gonna get a vaccine. And uh, nobody seems to think that, say, it's gonna be discovered here in British Columbia, but it has to, we have to have a system set up in order to eventually provide it um, mm -hmm. and, all, and and are we are we beginning to get a good look at what that supply chain might need to look like uh, at, at this early stage or is this premature still well uh, we actually have an established process in this province for vaccines um, so while in the world of social distancing it may need to look a little bit different um, 
I wouldn't be overly concerned about if a vaccine arrives and the supply is there that it can't get to the people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is an area that generally our healthcare system across the country has protocols and tracking mechanisms for vaccines. Um, you know, I think it's really more the issue right now, I think is really around ensuring that we have the constant supply chain available and that the pro and we're working collaboratively with the province to ensure that we're being helpful and providing them what they need and not being a distraction. Yeah, I'm trying to pick up on the on the intelligence that you would be getting from within your own organization and its membership. But the other the other area I would wonder about is the interrupted research, and, and yeah. how you know how how serious that is if it if it protracts for two, three, four months. You know what what do we you know is are there risks out there in terms of uh, important research largely having to almost start over again or things like that? It, what, what, you, what generally are you hearing? Um, I, think there's, I think there are people that are concerned about the research being stalled. I think it's hard to know what the impact will be when we don't know how long it's going to be stalled for. Um, I also am probably not the best person to comment on that. I mean, I would, I would talk to, you know, UBC is an amazing research facility. It's one of the reasons our sector is so strong because of the research that comes out of there. And I would probably reach out and, and talk to them. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's hard to know how long some of this research will be stopped. And um, I don't think anybody can answer that right now. Yeah, yeah. As far as, you know, your own operation, uh, I mean, you, you know, we were saying before you got on, you've really pivoted the organization in a, in a hurry. And, and uh, you know, with a, with a pretty small staff, you've had to figure out a whole new purpose in a way for all of this. Uh, is, you know, what, what are your workers feeling like these days? Um, well, we, um, I, you know, we, we are a small staff, as you know, we've got three or four people. Um, we sort of punch a little bit above our weight sometimes. So everybody's working from home. Um, we have canceled, you know, we do a lot of events. We've canceled all of our events. We're looking at uh, potentially doing webinars to support the community um, on topics that they need to know about. Um, you know, I think our workers are like our team is like everybody else. We're trying to do adjust to the new normal. We're trying to do our part. Um, I, for one, am, you know, really motivated about the fact that I feel like in some small way we're making a difference to try and address the issue. And that's really what we need to do as a community. Um, us working on these various pillars and, you know, staying there for our members and our community to help them as they you know, as they adjust to all of this. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a massive pivot for us. Absolutely. We were supposed to be hosting 500 people at an awards dinner next week, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and um, but, you know, our community generally, I, I we got, we canceled our awards uh, or postponed it to September a little bit earlier than some of the other cancellations that came through. And across the board everybody was extremely supportive and said it's the right thing to do we need to lead by example we can't ask people to come and gather in large groups when you know things like this are going on but now it's normal it was when we canceled though people were like really okay but they really were supportive yeah. so um you know it's uh 
we're going to next week be launching um, some way of curating conversations within the community so that we can help our SMEs because we have a lot of companies that are less than 10 employees that are all of a sudden working from home and not connected in the way they used to be. And many of them don't have the resources that larger organizations have that can provide the support. So we're going to you know, basically try and reach out and say, what do you need and how can we help? And it, we're going to be, you know, doing a lot of connecting people with other people that um, may be able to, you know, just provide some comfort or advice through this time. Yeah. W one of the questions I think we're generally asking when we're on this podcast with other leaders in, in business and in, and in institutions is, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about what, what you feel you're learning that's so different in this crisis, you know, that, that actually has been, um, if anything, a bit of a pleasant surprise. Well, I mean, absolutely the way our community has rallied together to try and support this. I, I mean, you know, it's, I always knew they would, but it, it's really a little, you know, it, it's really extraordinary. I mean, I've, I spent all weekend working, talking to the CEOs of some of our larger life sciences companies that were saying, Wendy, I want to do this. How can I do it? And I want to do it faster. What do you mean I can't do it now? I'm like, well, let's just make sure you know, people are ready for us. But the community really has come together. You asked how we pivoted in the organization. So we don't typically work in the world of supply chain. I myself have a background. Um, I was 20 years for a COO. So I called somebody that an experienced supply chain um, professional on Sunday afternoon and said, hey, I've got a great new job for you. Unfortunately, I can't pay you right now, but how would you like to come on and help me lead this on behalf of the industry? And mm -hmm. he's come on. And, you know, that's what people do in this sector. Um, the other thing that I think uh, is something that... Um, we all have to believe that it's all going to work out in the end and the positivity and trying to make a difference every day, it will work out in the end, but we have to be comfortable working in a very uncertain environment and not get distracted with um, all the news, which seems to be 100% COVID-19 lately, but there's a lot of great stories like, you know, that we need to celebrate. So, on LinkedIn yesterday, I posted about the uh, the diagnostic equipment at St. Paul's that has now been able to be repurposed from testing HIV to testing COVID-19. So they can now test 2,000 more tests a day than they used to be able to. And we need to look for those good news stories and those ways that people are helping each other um, to really stay positive through this. Yeah, the, the, the initial shock to the system, of course, tends to knock people down a little bit, but they're, yeah. uh, they're proving pretty resilient. There's no they doubt. are. And, and one of the things that I always, that I've been saying is the shoe sort of drops for people at different times. Mm. And, um, so everyone's, everyone's at a different point of processing what we're all going through right now. And yeah. so we have to remember that some people have, you know, are the type that say, okay, this is a problem. I'm going to just put my head down and march forward and that's what they do and there's others that the shoe is dropping at different points and then they get a little paralyzed and we all have to be there to support each other at whatever stage we're all at well keep your head down and pushing forward wendy <laughs> well you you too Kirk. Yeah. good 
good good talking to you. Stay safe. Yeah, always. Thanks. Wendy Herbert is the chair of Life Sciences BC. You've been watching Coping with COVID. I'm Kirk LaPointe. See you next time.